This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. Morena no mai kiti korero. Welcome to the catch up on Manawatu People's Radio. Tereo irarangi unatangata o Manawatu. It is a Thursday morning, and that means we turn our attention to Manawatu District Council. Uh, and as usual, on the phone, we have Mayor Helen Warboys. Atamarie Helen. Good morning, Fraser. Um, now, we've got a, a list of topics here uh, to get through, and I know Three Waters is one that we want to touch on, uh, and we will get to that in time. Um, and I say that because last week we, we went into that in some depth, and I, I think that was the most animated we've had from you uh, on, on the catch-up. <laughs> uh, there are very strong feelings across the country, not just the MDC, uh, on that. So, so we will follow up on that, but uh, we've got a few other things to get through first. Um, firstly, the public places bylaw changes. You're consulting on these at the moment. Uh, yes, we are. We are required by legislation to review those and so we've done that. Uh, we've also had requests from our local police to have another look at our alcohol bans and we also wanted to support our local businesses by reviewing the street user rules. So uh, as far as the alcohol ban goes, what we're looking to do is to increase the ban hours to 24 hours, seven days a week in the Fielding Town Centre. And for key areas such as Pomona Park, Kofi Park and the Highfield Hill Lookout, we're proposing the alcohol ban would kick in from 9pm to 6am. And like I said, this just gives our police more powers to manage any alcohol-related incidents, uh, we've had we've got the new skate park here in town, so we're also we're looking to protect that as well. So it's just a matter of reviewing what's appropriate. Yeah, I was because I mean, with, with things like this, enforcement is always the first question. How are we going to enforce it? And often uh, things are sort of lumbered onto the police that otherwise they might not want. But this sounds like uh, the police are asking for this to give them more power. Uh, absolutely. The police came and did a presentation to council about uh, the, uh, they showed us maps of where incidents related to alcohol were happening and uh, showed that there were some close to the existing um, boundaries that we had. But more importantly, in the town centre, we only had a short time frame. I think it was 9pm at night to 6am, whereas they were saying we need to extend that to 24 hours, seven days a week. And it just it just gives our community, it gives everyone some protection and some safety. It, it, it sounds like Fielding's got a problem with people uh, consuming alcohol in public places. <laughs> Absolutely not. But like all communities, there's, there's always one or two rat bags. And, 
um, like I said, we've put the new skate park in. That's brought the number of young people in further into the CBD. And so it's about giving us some teeth to be able to, you know, we always get the one or two people that don't um, play by the rules. And so it's just a matter of having some power for the local police to manage that better. I, I, this I, in my head, and I appreciate it's a rather unique space in my head. But this sort of aligns with the town centre refresh and in sort of how people use certain parts of fielding, and particularly when you mention the skate park, that whole sort of Makino complex idea that you're talking about with potentially housing and 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 all the recreation spaces. There's there is a wider discussion here, isn't there? Um, absolutely, although the, the uh, review is part of the process that we have to do. But yes, as part of the town centre refresh, you know, our ultimate goal is about making the town centre more vibrant, uh, safer, a place that people would want to be in that space and, uh, you know, for longer than just the opening hours for our businesses. It's about making the town centre as a place for everybody to be. Uh, you also mentioned, uh, as part of this consultation, uh, you've got the alcohol bans there, but you said the street user rules. What's going on in that space? This is really looking at where do we put our hawkers, mobile shops and street stores. And, uh, you know, over the years, even in my previous role of building promotion, there was always contention about uh, council allowing some of these um, transient uh, stalls come through town and park up and uh, go in direct competition and sometimes block out the view or access to our existing businesses who, uh, you know, support locals. So this is about uh, deciding exactly where we're going to site these. And it's a fine balance between adding vibrancy and options to people doing business and also supporting our local businesses. So... uh, we're looking at, you know, down uh, in Bimby Square is a place that's quite popular, uh, but limiting that to two at any time. And then the other one is along the railway, uh, the railway line on Aorangi Street. There, there's a nice grass strip there that they tend to like to use. So we're just saying, you know, let's let's put in place some rules about where we do put them. Is there anything in here about the, it seems to be somewhat a perennial issue uh, with uh, business owners and staff using car parks in the centre of town all day, thus limiting the ability for people to visit fielding and and partake of those businesses. Is there anything in your consultation about that? Uh, Not in this one, no. This is about public places, bylaw changes. The the town centre refresh, the parking is all part of that. Um, You know, and it's um, you know, you probably know my view. We need to protect the fact that we have free parking while you shop here in Friendly Fielding. It's our point of difference. Um, and I'm very keen to protect that. But it's also about if we're not going to get willing response from the CBD businesses to leave the, the parks closest to the businesses for their customers, um, then maybe we do need to have a look at that. We just have a group of businesses who came to council and suggested maybe some... You know, in, in the parts that are really needing to change over regularly, whether we looked at doing something short-time, uh, short-term monitoring of the parking. But again, the cost of monitoring this and setting up meters, etc. You know, you have to decide does it actually does it actually balance itself? You know, the the revenue wouldn't even cover the cost of being able to do this. But there's a bigger picture about here. It's about educating people to understand that. If you want uh, if you want customers for everybody, 
then those that work in those businesses need to think about where they park. And we've got plenty of all-day parking spaces for them. So if people want to uh, partake in this uh, consultation, is it a submission process or are you consulting with specific groups? Uh, No, it is. is, uh, We've put out information to specific groups, but it is open to anyone in the community. You can jump online or call in here at the uh, council reception and and grab the information about it. And uh, you don't have to fill that form in. You can just find a piece of paper and uh, or you know open up the computer and submit to us. So yes, we're keen to hear from people. The uh, the close off is the sixth of December. Very good. Uh, people should uh, obviously go to the website uh, mdc.govt.nz and you'll get all the information there. It's the Public Places Bylaw Changes. Uh, let's have a look, Helen. I think it was the last council meeting, uh, the representation review. Uh, the, the, this whole representation thing has been a, a, an epic saga. Um, and I think the last time we spoke, there wasn't going to be any changes in the uh, general electorate uh, make-up in terms of rural and urban councillors, but I understand there there has now been a tweak. Yeah, absolutely. This is just part of the ongoing discussion. We had 34 submissions from the community um, about our original stance that was five rural, five urban councillors plus our Mara Ward representative. That went out to the community. Uh, We had, like I said, 34 submissions, very mixed views about it. So it had to come back to the council table for further discussion and uh, and in that discussion we had a couple of councillors change their view and uh, the vote in the end was that we reduce that to four rural and four urban plus our Maori ward representatives. So, and, and some of the thinking around that was, you know, that a smaller number around the council table would, um, would make for more efficient debate, discussion, um, a smaller team to work with. Um, some councillors felt that it is the same bucket of money for remuneration. So regardless of how many councillors you have, that's the same amount of money that gets spread around. There are some councillors whose thinking is that if we were able to pay councillors more, we may get uh, we we may get more people, and particularly younger people, to put their hand up to stand for council. But uh, remembering that we have a Māori Ward representative, which comes out of the same bucket of money, uh, there would, if this goes through, there would only be uh, one councillor's salary to be shared amongst the rest. But also I did remind our councillors that if we reduce our numbers, the workload for individual councillors would increase, such as uh, portfolios, attending, community committees, etc. So, you know, it swings and roundabouts, really, um, so the key thing now is that having changed our original view, it's now gone back out to the community. Those who made submissions can uh, make further submissions. If there are any appeals against our new decision, that will go to the Remuneration Authority and they have the final say. So uh, you know, if that happens, then they will determine whether we have five and five or four and four. Right, so it's kind of out of your hands, but you 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 submit uh, your recommendations to the authority, and then they 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 sign off or ask for a tweak from there. Yeah, it it goes to the remuneration authority if there are any appeals from the community on the decision that council has put forward.
And um, what is are you happy with the idea of the the forum for because that so that would be four rural, four urban, one Maori, and the mayor. That would be t- uh, ten people around the table as opposed to the proposed or the, the old uh, the old system. Uh, be nine. nine oh, where are we? We've got eleven at the moment around the table. Um, so and then with the Maori ward representative, so we would lose one. So that makes ten. So um, yeah, I. I, I, to be honest, I'm not fussed either way how that works. I, I guess from a, a leadership point of view, a smaller team to deal with it probably makes life a little bit easier, but um, it's also about uh, community representation. So I'll be really keen to hear. I would, to be honest, I was disappointed we only received 34 submissions originally. However, a number of those submissions uh, we needed to take into context that they were from community committees. So one submission did represent their community. So we did need to take that on board. And most of those ones from our community committees were very happy with the status quo. Do you think that the reduction will have the the desired effect and you will see at the next election uh, a, a diverse group of uh, people challenging the incumbents? I, I don't think. I don't think. Honestly, I don't think it is going to make a difference because, well, to to be honest, if you're wanting to do some good in your community and stand for council, the remuneration that you receive, I would have thought, is very low on the decisions about whether you stand or not. But for some of us, they they say that the remuneration is important for them, um, particularly, you know, particularly. Well, it's more about juggling, you know, the time in your life when you are able to give back to the community. Um, and traditionally, as we know. Councils have been full of people who are either uh, self-employed or semi-retired or retired because that's the amount of time they're able to give to it. So, to me, it's a, it's more about time. You know, can you have to ask yourself, can I can I give the amount of time that warrants uh, putting my hand up to make a difference in my community? And so, arguably, more councillors would be the answer because then there would be less workload and potentially less time involved. Well, it, it does spread the load around uh, attending community committees, etc. There's still the same amount of council meetings, regardless of the number of councillors you're expected to be there for those meetings. But yes, it does. So it, it swings and roundabouts. You know, um, if, if we want to have less councillors and receive more remuneration, then the, the greater the workload. So, um, you know, I'm not sure. Everybody will have a different view on how they think about it, but I would like to hope that people put their name forward to stand because they want to make a difference in their community. Are you foreseeing the Remuneration Authority uh, having any problem with this proposal of four rural, four urban? No, I don't. um, It'd be really interesting to see what they do come back with, whether they would support status quo or this change to reduce. But, you know, either way, it's workable. um, But more importantly, I'm keen to know what the community thinks. Mm. So, uh, assuming all goes to plan, at the next election, people will be voting for four rural, four urban, one Māori, and uh, the mayoral candidate as well. Um, does MDC use First Past the Post or STV? Uh, first Past the Post. There we go. So, people should be aware of that. Um, so, when, when do we get the final confirmation that this will be the model? 
that's a good question. We're out there at the moment uh, for people who've made submissions to make further comments. My understanding is it wouldn't go into the remuneration authority if it needs to until the new year. Uh, so I'm not sure what the time frame for that would be. But obviously it is, a, it is something that needs to be done reasonably um, soon in the new year so we know exactly where we are for the upcoming elections. And, and this was uh, raised at the time, wasn't it, when we were talking about uh, implementing the Māori ward, that the timeline is quite tight on this to get ready for the election. But you, are you confident we'll be uh, all, ti- all tidied away by then? Oh, absolutely. That's, that's why we're doing this process now. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're just going through each step in the process. The only thing that's changed is that council has had a change of heart after some really good open debate. Uh, We've had a change of heart of what our preferred stance is. Very good. We are here with Mayor Helen Warboys from Manawatu District Council finding out what's uh, going on in the district. If you'd like to listen to this or previous editions of the NPR Catch-Up series, just head to the website npr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch-up. We're also uh, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your online listening. Uh, just search NPR and uh, the Catch-Up. Uh, turning uh, back to you, Helen, the housing strategy has been adopted. What, uh, what is the strategy for housing? Uh, well, we're quite pleased. This has been a, a, a piece of work under our community development strategy and uh, so this is the first time our council has had a housing strategy. Uh, we had to take stock take of exactly what, what do we have um, and do an in-depth analysis of the housing conditions in our district and uh, the research uh, has confirmed what we thought that there is a deterioration of housing conditions, predominantly where they impact on our low-income and vulnerable households, and I would I would suspect that's the same throughout the country, in regards to housing. But so it was about setting a goal. You know, what is it that we want? And our overarching goal is that all of our residents are well housed with choices, and uh, with options around pricing that make it affordable. So. This strategy is just that, but it also sets out some key actions of how Council uh, will improve those conditions, and we're looking at a number of ideas. But the key thing with this strategy is that it's not just something you adopt and put in the drawer. It is a living document, and the only way that we are going to achieve the vision we've set out is with community partnerships uh, and you know some collective action with various groups um, to achieve this. And council's also looking at some projects ourselves. What can we do as a council to help, particularly in that affordable housing? Uh, As you know, we already well support our uh, Manawatu Community Trust to look after our social housing. So, you know, we're having discussions with them. What more can we do in that space? Uh, Particularly around getting them recognized by the government as a housing provider which opens them up to uh, some access for funding, some, um, some opportunity there to, to create some more uh, social and affordable houses. Is this, so just taking a step back, because I was going to ask that, obviously um, MDC is involved in the social housing space through the, the creation and support of the Manawatu Community Trust, but is this housing strategy focused on people who, who do not own their own home, or is there, are you factoring in support for homeowners as well? Um, it, is, it is across the board. We agreed that the strategy would have a look across the board, but we've identified 
uh, as most communities would have, that affordable housing is something that um, is becoming more and more serious and it is an issue that we need to look at. And I think that's where our team are currently looking at what, what could council do, not so much on our own because you know, to do that is incredibly hard, but could we, could we team up with investors, developers, uh, with the government, you know, is there some opportunity to create some um, affordable housing options? And, you know, council has land. Um, what we don't have is the finance, obviously, so it's about partnerships. And so I think the strategy is really just signalling loud and clear to the community that we take this seriously and we are prepared and open to any opportunities out there to, to reach the vision that we've set. Um, is this a response to the housing crisis then? Is this, is this going to be as radical as addressing things like housing density, housing diversity, uh, actually putting some real effort into addressing that supply and demand issue, which seems to be the crux of the housing crisis problem? Uh, yes, we've already started work on that with our uh, district plan review, with the uh, looking at creating medium density housing that's gone out in our draft to the community for feedback, looking at allowing uh, residential accommodation in the town centre. Uh, so there's there's a whole lot of uh, work. There's a lot of work underway already about is is this what our community want and and where should that uh, where should that be allowed. To, to happen, and we've also talked about incentives for development contributions for infill, so that where there is opportunity to put another house on a site uh, within within the township of Fielding, that uh, we can put some incentives in place for that to happen. And of course, there are knock-on effects when you start looking at housing uh, density as well, because then you have to start looking at infrastructure in terms of uh, roading, uh, water supply and and wastewater uh, removal. You know, if you've got high-density housing, you've got more waste coming out of there. Um, There are serious implications to just saying, right, we'll put high-density housing in X space. Oh, absolutely. And that's the discussion that we've had, particularly with our villages around the district as part of the plan change, uh, rural lifestyle, etc., that we've been doing, is, you know, it's all very well for communities to say, you know, we want we want to have more housing here, but the key question is, what is the infrastructure like and can it take that? And if it can't, or if there is no infrastructure in place to, to manage the number of houses that they're seeking, you know, how do we fund that? And it's making people aware that it's not just as simple as saying, oh, yes, it's okay, we can build a whole lot more houses here. It's, you know, like you say, it's the roading, it's the infrastructure under the ground, there's all of those that need to impact on that. So it is it is very complicated, but the housing strategy, I think, is a positive step towards uh, setting out what council's view is um, and what we're looking to achieve. And uh, MDC has positioned itself quite well in that space uh, in terms of construction because we, uh, on Monday, on the catch-up, we spoke to Brian Sammy from Central Demolition, Central Environmental, who have uh, moved into some MDC space in order to more environmentally deal with construction waste and demolition waste. And uh, if you are hoping to incentivise investors, the uh, environmental removal of of some of the materials will probably be a bit of a, a a swing for you as well. Oh, absolutely. We're open to all of those, and that's why I say this is 
Council can't do this on our own. We need to do it in partnership. Um, we've got some very innovative businesses like Central Demolition who, you know, are already onto this. How do we uh, environmentally allow people, allow more houses to be built, but do it so that doesn't impact uh, or doesn't have any more impact or effect on our environment. So very much that's a really good example of a partnership. There we go. Uh, we are here with Mayor Helen Warboys on the catch-up looking at Manawatu District Council. We've got about four minutes left, uh, which I think is about right because uh, any longer on this topic and, and you may need a blood pressure monitor, Helen. But uh, Three Waters, uh, you've got an update for us? Uh, really, we were at with this, I think last time we talked, we uh, were talking to councils around the country who have a similar view to us opposing the de- mandatory decision that's been made by government. Um, so we have now set up a group of councils. Uh, the invitation is open till the end of this month for councils to sign up and join through the MOU that we've put together. We've got an oversight group um, of a number of councils, uh, mayors and CEs working together and uh, we're working on a campaign strategy about how do we do this. Um, and you know, it's now public knowledge that uh, there were a number of councils who've lodged a statement of claim in the High Court last week. Um, that is part of the strategy of what we're working on and um, yeah, so I, I think it's quite exciting because it's raising awareness with the community about what is the impact of what the, the government has decided to do? Because at the end of the day, these assets belong to the community and it's really important that they understand potentially what the government's decision means for them. Um, this is quite interesting that you're sort of pulling the councils together and, and organising a sort of campaign strategy because, I mean, arguably, is that not the function of or one of the functions of, of local government New Zealand? Uh, well, local government New Zealand, in their wisdom, uh, signed a heap of agreement with the government um, without asking its members if they were okay with that. They did that back in uh, July before our local government conference. And uh, if you have a look at that heads of agreement, there is a clause in there, clause four, that says that they will not oppose the government's model. Um, so that means that now that the government have uh, mandated it on their preferred model. It means that there is nobody out there who can speak up on behalf of the councils who do not support the government's preferred model. So we've been very open and transparent with LGNZ and said, look, on the basis that you have signed this document, rightly or wrongly, um, somebody needs to speak up for the voice of communities who are opposed to this. And as you know, the government set up a working party, um, but that working party is to have a look and tweak the government's preferred model. Uh, uh, this group that we're setting up is about councils who are totally opposed to the government's model, and that is about taking the assets off the communities who own them. Is this, I don't know, not, well, yeah, is, is this weakening the argument a little bit now that there are, you know, in the realms of 60 to 70 uh, local government uh, councils in New Zealand, and, and you're all sort of grouping into silos, people that completely oppose, people that are sort of so-so in principle, and some that are, are for it. Are you not sort of breaking yourselves up and sort of weakening, weakening the argument? Um, I don't think so. I think the, the, well, the other point is that up until the government made their decision, we in good faith were working with the government. They said, you know, here's eight weeks to think about it. Don't consult with your community. We'll do that later. 
um, and tell us, you know, what your concerns are, which we did all of that, um, although we did engage with our community. So we did all that, and then the government turned around and just just forgot about all those, uh, all that stuff that we had talked about and came in and said this is mandatory and this is our preferred model. They have agreed to tweak their preferred model, but that goes totally against the pathway that we were working with the government. So, And, and people need to remember that... Um, Mayors and councillors are elected by their communities to represent the best interest of their communities. So our communities are telling us that they don't support this. They don't. They don't see the need, and we we totally agree. We believe we can achieve the same outcomes that the government wants. Now that we've got some national standards uh, to achieve, which we haven't had before, we can achieve the same outcomes without taking these assets off the local communities and taking away the local decision making. There we go. We are completely out of time. But thank you, Mayor Helen, for uh, outlining uh, what's happening in Manawatu District. Uh, And we will catch up with you again in a fortnight. Awesome. Thanks, Fraser. No worries. There we go. Mayor Helen Warboys on the catch-up this morning. Remember, if you want to listen to this or previous editions of the catch-up series, just head to the website mpr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch-up. We're back tomorrow at half past eight with Tangi Utakeri, Mema Oparimata o Papayoya. Do join us then. Bye for now. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.